0: Hi, everyone. This is Greg White, and I'm a partner here at Sway Ventures. As most of you know, we're we're a U.S.-based venture capital firm investing in early to mid-stage technology companies. Our our charter at Sway is to invest in high-performing teams building revolutionary technology that are creating really the next enterprise or consumer categories. As regards our efforts with founders and and leadership teams, we concentrate across four distinct areas. We call this value-add. Uh, the first being capital syndication, all portfolio facing, revenue generation, talent acquisition, and, and product and product strategies. Today I'm joined by Andy Baer. Andy is a, a Sway Ventures partner based in Washington, D.C., and he's responsible for many things at the firm, including all things federal government. Andy, it's uh it's great to have you today. Thanks again for taking the time. You know, given the, the dramatic shifts and expedited efforts around federally sponsored innovation, DOD in particular. You know, what what is the DoD, FedGov have? What have they been doing uh, so long-standing? And they've been long-standing innovators and, and sponsorships of technology. So, so you know, it,
1: this isn't really new. But but what would you say is different now? Yeah, Greg, thanks for making the time today to talk about this. What I consider to be a very interesting subject. As you mentioned, um, I run the Sway operations in Washington D.C. and help our portfolio companies uh, navigate their way through Washington and the bureaucracy that exists here, certainly. Uh, but in kind of thinking about uh, the federal government, in particular, as you mentioned, DOD, and their role in technology development over time, it's really interesting to think about kind of in a couple of different respects. First, you know, going back literally about now 80 years uh, to uh, World War II, um, and we could go back further than that, but that's far enough at the moment. Uh, the federal government, and in particular, of course, the Department of Defense, We're instrumental in developing a series of new technologies which really had a major impact on how we, the United States, and for that matter, much of the rest of the world actually does business. Uh, Certainly one of those is the development of nuclear technology, whether that be nuclear weapons or uh, nuclear energy. That's been a major innovation that was obviously funded and uh, uh, really developed by the federal government. Uh, Then, of course, 10 years later came the development of satellites. And satellites have obviously had a major impact on how we do business around the world uh, with communications, with imagery, with television, with consumer services, and and other types of technologies. And then finally, uh, a third example, of course, is the internet. And uh, the uh, U.S. Army and DARPA uh, were actually the first innovators in what was then an intranet, which then became the internet, and uh, that was actually uh, commercialized and monetized in the early to mid 90s with network solutions and provided the basis for what we have today. And without it, you know, we wouldn't have companies like Microsoft and Google and uh, uh, Amazon and some of the other major technology companies that we now know, you know are big players in the market. In addition to that, another kind of interesting development has occurred, which I think is really interesting as well. And that is that uh, with the kind of rise of these large technology companies, in some ways, the, the equation is flipped. And what I mean by that is this, and that is certainly from World War II until probably the early 2000s, um, the U.S. government pretty much, had, pretty much had a monopoly on uh, what were considered leading technologies that were used by the Pentagon, uh, the intelligence community, which included, of course, the CIA, the National Security Agency, uh, which does uh, signals intelligence, Then, of course, other agencies like the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, which does remote sensing, and the National Reconnaissance Office, which manages all of our spy satellites. Uh, In the last 20 years, however, as I said, some of the technologies flipped. And now, companies like Google and Facebook and Apple and others, Amazon, et cetera, have now really generated capabilities and and technology that, frankly, the federal government is a little jealous of. And so you really now have a major uh, kind of what I would call non-government technology reservoir in the United States, which, of course, also exists in other pockets around the world, but really is focused in the United States, which provides um, a a tremendous amount of capability to business, to consumers, and to industry. And with that in mind, uh, uh, the question is then, how do we... um, from a, uh, a, a sway venture standpoint and a venture capital standpoint, kind of enter that equation. So um, uh, that's what I think is different now, and I'll be glad to go further into that and elaborate on some of those points if you like. Yeah, no,
0: that that that's very helpful, and I think at this point it's it's like all right, that's a, that's a great precursor to the rest of the discussion. Can you give us some examples and, and more specifically, how does this apply and impact the startup community in particular?
1: Yeah, sure. So as I mentioned, um, you know, companies like Google and Facebook and Apple and Amazon and Microsoft and others and Salesforce, Oracle, SAP uh, you know, started in the commercial sector and uh, then over time have migrated into the government sector. And these are large companies that have lots of capital, lots of people, lots of capability and time. U.S. government um, is a very different animal when it comes to uh, working with them, in particular with DOD. And they're a very large enterprise. I mean, the Department of Defense itself uh, has a budget of $750 billion on an annual basis. It's basically the largest single organization in operation in the world uh, and you know, employs millions and millions of people. So it's really difficult for small companies to do business with such a large organization like the Pentagon, or for that matter, other U.S. government agencies, which are also quite large, comparatively speaking. And so, you know, what we've done is tried to work out a series of what I would call shortcuts and um, efficiencies to work with uh, some of these agencies in the U.S. government for our portfolio companies, which are not easy. And you know, uh, if I were to go to any CEO in our portfolio and try to interest them in doing work with the federal government, and tell them that they have to spend uh, quite a lot of time, sometimes up to two years, and quite a lot of money, just you know, getting ready to actually do work before they even get a contract, they'd say, you know, thanks but no thanks, and they'd walk away. And I wouldn't blame them. Uh, however, what we're trying to do, and what the government now has begun to reach out with is, as I said, to try to put in place some of these efficiencies and short circuits that allow this to happen faster and certainly on a more accelerated basis. And so um, just in the last, let's say, three years, uh, the the Pentagon, in particular the Air Force, has put together a program that's not new. Uh, It's based on a National Science Foundation program called Uh, the Small Business Innovation Research Program, or CIBR. And that program actually was, as I said, created by NSF uh, about 30 years ago. In fact, almost 40 years ago now. And uh, the the intent was to try to bring in research and research and development into government agencies to provide new capability, new technology, new expertise. For a long time, though, however, it was uh, pretty sleepy. And while it provided some opportunities for companies, and some companies actually uh, were able to take advantage of it and, and even capitalize on it, nevertheless, it didn't result in a lot of commercialization of technology. And that's really what we're talking about, commercialization of technology. So uh, as an example, NSF has a program, NASA has a program, the National Institutes of Health have a program, uh, Department of Energy has a program, certainly the Pentagon has a program, uh, but they were all kind of, as I said, a little more slow moving. Uh, as mentioned earlier, just in the last three years, the Pentagon has decided to try to engage with Silicon Valley more aggressively. And the reason for that is because they recognize that there's a lot of technology out there and a lot of capability they're just not really getting the benefit of. And so, you know, certainly they're not going to throw their traditional partners overboard, meaning a lot of the large firms like Lockheed, Northrop, Raytheon, General Dynamics, Boeing, SAIC, LIDOS. So I could you know, continue the list, but we all know the usual suspects. Those, those are the traditional providers to the Pentagon of major technology programs. And they're gonna still be in place and the Pentagon will still work with them, of course, and is doing so uh, actively today. But what the Pentagon wants to also do is try to find ways to bring other types of technology, not necessarily from the traditional providers, but from companies in Silicon Valley who are innovative, creative, who are industrious, and for that matter, other technology centers around the country, whether it be in Austin or Boston or Atlanta, New York, LA, Chicago, et cetera, but really take advantage and leverage those technologies. Well, as I said before, it's really difficult for a small little company with a little capital and just a few handful of employees, and you know, not a lot of time to frankly kind of wait out the Pentagon equation. So what the Air Force has done in particular is they've taken this program for the Small Business Innovation Research, or SBIR, and they've tweaked it in such a way that allows them to be able to then give contracts quickly to innovators, to uh, new technology companies, and to uh, new providers they've not seen before or worked with. And that's been quite successful. And in fact, in the last, oh, let's say, 18 months or two years, the Pentagon is now onboarded more than 1,000 companies and they've done this through their innovation center uh, through the Air Force, which is called AFWERX, A-F-W-E-R-X, uh, which is now actually transforming itself into a new group called Air Force Ventures, which will be, we hope, even more entrepreneurial. But they've, they've onboarded these, these thousand companies over the last 18 months, two years, through a series of these, series, these cyber programs. And in addition, they've obligated now, that is they've actually paid over a billion dollars in capital. I mean, literally have funded companies uh, altogether with over a billion dollars in capital, which is quite impressive. You know, and so if you're if you're uh, passing out a half a million, $750,000 million at a time to these companies, which is meaningful revenue and real contract revenue and results in real work, then, you know, this becomes significant. In fact, the Air Force's plans are now to do this uh, yet again through the course of this fiscal year, that is fiscal year 21, and into fiscal year 22. I recently have had conversations with uh, some of the senior leadership in the AFWERTS program. In fact, the CEO, uh, who uh, is uh, a very uh, capable officer, Air Force officer, colonel, uh, and PhD, who um, is one of the pioneers in this program. And uh, one of my key questions to them was how can you institutionalize this to make sure? that when people rotate out, because they do, that's the nature of the military, that the program doesn't just disappear. And so from the Secretary of the Air Force, through the Pentagon, through the AFWERTS chief leadership, they've now institutionalized this program. And so we should see this program in operation for, we hope, years to come and provide a basis for Silicon Valley companies and companies and other tech centers to be able to then enter the equation, so to speak, with the Pentagon, uh, be able to accelerate their efforts, work faster, uh, be able to provide technology more quickly. And in the end, this is the key part, commercialize their technology for dual use application, meaning that is not only for Pentagon use, but also for use in the commercial sector. And so the Pentagon is providing that seed capital uh, in, in cases where, as an example, other uh, capital providers may not be interested in, in the company's technology, but providing that seed capital to allow them to scale and grow in, in a way they couldn't perhaps otherwise? Yeah,
0: it's a great answer. And I think the misconception has been that, oh, gosh, if this isn't for defense specifically, like, you know, nuclear or rockets or, or uh, anything on the defense side that, that, frankly, you know, no need to apply, but that's dramatically changed. And I think that's, that's the point that really resonates with me here, Andy. So, you know, what should a startup founder, CEO, and exec team do right now, given the, in, the intensity of the current circumstances, but also just in general?
1: Sure. No, good question. And again, there are plenty of opportunities for uh, not only our Sway portfolio companies, but others to get involved. And really, um, I would go back to what I mentioned earlier with respect to the SBIR programs, but there are other programs as well, but just to focus on those, that's where the action really kind of has been for the last, let's say, 18 months, two years. And that is that the Air Force and now DOD in general are beginning to offer these SBIR programs on a regular basis, meaning on a, on a cyclical and, and kind of rolling basis throughout the, the year. And so as an example, there were three cohorts that were processed and, and, and awarded contracts in 2019. There will be three this year. We're already into one and we're getting ready to to launch into the second one. there will then be more next year based on dollars that are appropriated for the programs. So that certainly is one way that the CEOs and founders can get involved. And really the advice I would give them is to think really kind of through what their technology could do, not just for a commercial application, but also for a dual use application with the Pentagon. And then also think about kind of what the Pentagon can do for them to help them fund their technology so they could then spin it back out to the commercial sector. Because that's really in large part what this is about. What the Pentagon does not want to do is have companies turn into just kind of monolithic defense contractors. They got plenty of those and there are more every day. So we don't need to create more of those. What the Pentagon wants to do is they want to be able to then use their capital to then help get these companies a leg up in the marketplace certainly provide technology that can be useful to the Pentagon and the DOD, but also then to be able to then spin that back out to the commercial sector. So as an example, uh, you mentioned earlier, you know, rockets and, and I mentioned satellites. Well, as you would expect, and, and we all can see in the news, certainly, that there has been a, uh, you know, certainly the last year or so, two years, a, a pretty big push to kind of create a uh, global and, and worldwide set of internet capabilities with satellites. And of course, Amazon Web Services pursuing this, Blue Origin, which is Jeff Bezos' space company, is doing this, Elon Musk is doing this with SpaceX. Well, there are a lot of other companies out there as well in the aerospace and defense sector that also can be part of that ecosystem and that infrastructure, and the Pentagon will help them fund those efforts. Well, those efforts don't necessarily go exclusively to a Pentagon mission or need, but they want them to then be able to then spin that out. So then it has a commercial benefit for uh, whatever business or industry or sector you're thinking about whether it be in healthcare in terms of communication, or it could be in public sector services like law enforcement, or it could be in industry in internet of things. So there's a variety of things that they can do to try to support and catalyze the technology development from the Pentagon side. And I want to make clear it's not just the Pentagon. It's also some of the other agencies that I mentioned. So Department of Energy, uh, the National Institutes of Health, uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, uh, Department of Transportation, Veterans Administration, et cetera, et cetera. They all have programs like this. They're all a little bit different. There's no cookie cutter approach. I would I would advise CEOs to you know go on those websites, investigate the small business programs, which are you know kind of centrally managed by the Small Business Administration, but nevertheless. Each agency has a bit of a different flavor and color for their own program. Each has a little bit different type of uh, uh, onboarding and, 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 and target approach with companies. But that said, the US government is committed to support, support small business. And this goes all the way up to the White House. I mean, I can tell you that um, whether it be the last administration, this administration, and regardless of politics, that the Office of Science and Te- Technology Policy and other offices within the White House have been adamant about supporting small business. So I think there's plenty of fertile ground there for founders and CEOs. We're glad to advise them. We're glad to walk them through the process. We're glad to help them navigate this. Glad to provide them as much information as we possibly can. And I would just suggest they take a look look at it and see if it might work for them. Not every company is going to be eligible. Not every company is going to be appropriate. But I would say by and large, you know, at least certainly a half or maybe more could have some potential capability that would be interesting to either the Department of Defense or other agencies. And so I encourage our founders and CEOs, and for that matter, others, to take a look at what the programs offer and if we can help, we'd be glad to do so. So Andy, it's, it, that, it's
0: great. A great summary, high level summary of, of, of the processes. And I think dispelling some of the misconceptions is very helpful. Dual use is, is something to, to kind of double down on here. I want to thank you for today. So if if, if founders and executives want to get in touch with you about any of these initiatives and programs per your offer of helping in any way, what's the best way to do that?
1: Sure. Well, feel free to have them contact me directly. I encourage them all to do so at their own leisure. Uh, My uh, Sway email address is andy, A-N-D-Y, at swayvc.com. And my telephone number in Washington, D.C. is 202-735-4848. I welcome all callers and glad to help any way we can. Andy, thanks again. Really appreciate it. Hey, Greg, my pleasure. Good working with you.